L, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Fresh out the gate again, time to raise the stakes again. Fat my plate again. Y'all cats know we always play to win. GNG to the stars, son. Haters took the shit too far, son. So that's all for you. I'm wiping out your whole team. I'll splatter your dreams with lyrics to shatter your schemes. The badder you seem, the more lies you tell. The more lies you sound, now by surprise you fell into my death. What is going on, people? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. We have a special episode for you today. We are in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. With We have Bill Sr. here, along with Kyle, my brother, a.k.a. The Pickle, on a, on a stiff... Um, tickle. tickle. Oh, no, The Pickle and The Tickle. Pickle and The Big Tickle. Yeah, this might be... This might get a little sloppy. <laughs> We're in the lobby of um, a beautiful hotel down here. There's a lot of people looking at us, and um, we got some stiff drinks, got right? Real strong drinks. <laughs> <laughs> got strong drinks. We're feeling a little uncomfortable with a uh, crowd watching. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. This is, um, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. This is an episode where we could kind of get people to at least acknowledge, I, th- I feel like, we may be one of the few or I don't know, rare podcasts that is that were kids that were submerged and, and dad obviously being our father submerged in hockey culture at a young age. And it's like being in a rink and growing up in a rink is much different than watching professional hockey live. And like one of the ways that I look at it is, it would be like if you watch professional golf and that's the only way that you knew about golf, but you never actually played golf and like, <laughs> and, and, and you don't understand, not, I'm not even talking about the quality of the shots and stuff like that, but obviously the quality of NHL players is, is incredible, but I'm talking about, you don't understand all the camaraderie and the fun things that happen for people who play golf on a regular level, like watching professional golf is one thing and then playing golf, it's completely, it's like a different world almost. Would you right. agree? No, absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like growing up in a rink really kind of gives, it could give you a better idea of what the hockey culture is. And also it makes you appreciate what you saw on the ice to me a lot more like just stupid plays, like getting pucks in your feet. If you're a defenseman, like on a, on a defenseman, defenseman pass, Amazing. like yeah. stupid stuff. You know what I mean? No, like, absolutely. How or transitioning they... or the way that they, uh, the way that it, like, uh, I always bring up the way that like defensemen like flip their hips. And it's like, that's something that even good skaters, when you see somebody that's really good, like a Chris Letang or like even like a Siegenthal or, or edge work from Andy green, who like people might, if, if you were, not a casual hockey fan. You could be a diehard hockey fan, but if you never really were on the ice and you never really put yourself in that situation, you don't, you can't respect the edge work that a guy like that has, despite being a guy that has 30 points or 25 points on a year. But his, the way that his positioning and stuff like that, it's like really like incredible. Would you like, right. And do you think, do you, 
am I hearing you right that you're saying that watching men's C League hockey wasn't the same as watching the games in Brenda Burns? Yeah, so I mean, there's um, and and what I figured we would do was we would just um, talk about some of the stories and uh, that between my dad bringing us to to uh, tournaments and camps and obviously travel league and whatnot. And my and Kyle probably being the the best hockey player in the family, that we would have this opportunity to like let the people that have been listening to us for a while know that like we actually played hockey, like we were like really forever. into it. To where the Devils have always been a big thing to us, but really we were into like every day, like being in a rink at seven a.m. or six a.m. or being on the road in Wissahickon and being here and being there and like. That's a lot different than just being a fan of hockey, watching television. And that's like where I, it's like kind of like golf. Like you could be a big fan of golf, but if you don't play golf regularly, you're kind of missing out on half of the entire culture. Right, right. And, um, but, uh, you know, so, so we're down here. It's my dad's 65th birthday. And um, last year, uh, my brother Kyle and, and, and my father, senior, they they came out to Asheville and they went hiking in the Blue Ridge Mountains and um, they really they really enjoyed it. They had done a hike before. They did the Camino Trail out right. and starts in where France and in goes France through Spain. Goes through Spain, yeah. yeah. And th- how many days was that? Thirty five days. Kyle yeah. met me for the last week after his after his bachelor party with you in Las Vegas. He met me for his religious. A seven-day walk to Santiago, to Compostela, to church every night. And I'm figuring he, he, you know, that that absolved him from uh, Vegas. Yeah, exercise the demons. (laughs) What happened in Vegas? No, I don't know that anything happened in Vegas, but it was just kind of kind of weird that you went to Vegas and then I invite you on a pilgrimage, (laughs) soul searching, (laughs) a Christian, a Christian pilgrimage. (laughs) It just seemed right at the time. Yeah, so we're here in Asheville. We did this really crazy hike last yesterday. What was that? Was it eight miles? It was. It was eight miles, but it was it very was, vertical. Yeah, it wasn't the distance. It, the distance is like climbing or walking. Uh, we did the same amount of uh, distance today, and it was a little different. They we, tried to kill me yesterday. We, we, liter- we literally we came back from the hike, and the guy that valeted the car, we told him what hike we did, <laughs> and then he was like, did you drive your car to the top, and then did you hike around the top? And then we said... No, we and we said, at the and we bottom. said, no, we started at the bottom. He's like, that's straight up. And it, it was, it was really like, I mean, I'm 41. Uh, I'm not in good shape, but I literally thought we were going to be carrying a dead body in my father. My Apple down watch here. said that I died three times. <laughs> it, I, we, I mean, I think you and I, Bill, were both concerned that. <laughs> Dad might die. I was picking picking and choosing my spots where, all right, that big field on the top of the mountain, they could probably land a helicopter here. here. It it got a little scary at times, but we made it. We made it up and made it down. Uh, Kyle and I had had multiple conversations about what we're going to do 
uh, if if you if you have a heart yesterday attack. while we were yeah walking. no it was it was I know Kyle was carrying bare aspirin for me like put it under your tongue and nitroglycerin <laughs> yeah it, it was a it was a little it was a little sketchy today's uh, was was a flat terrain pretty much but it, but beside the point the point is um it's it's cool and I'm really thankful and Kyle I know you just got up from a nap and I'm I'm thankful that uh, you're down here and you're I'm doing happy this to be with here. us I know this isn't like your your thing. Um, let's get into it. So the first, the first thing is, let's talk about camp has has just opened, and uh, we've been reading the reports from camp. We're not there, obviously. So, but the biggest takeaway, obviously, has to be Alex Holtz, and and you're and they talk about the speed and the edge work that he has, and obviously he's been working with um, the same trainer. I, I believe his name is Broberg who Brad has been working with in the off season. And to me, Brad has some of the best edge work in the league. Um, and as a former hockey player, edge work to me is a big deal. Like that's what puts you in position and Absolutely. allows you to do a lot. And you see a guy like, let's say miles wood, for instance, who has <laughs> zero edge work, ton of speed, ton of power, but doesn't He's have the, railroad track, but doesn't have the ability to maneuver himself around the ice. And that's what makes obviously Jack Hughes so good and whatnot. Um, so to hear about Holtz having better edge work, he came, he came into camp, he looks thinner, he looks like he lost some weight, and between Bill Spaulding, James Nichols, um, Ryan Novosinski, they've all brought up how he looks much, much quicker and uh, on top of the play. So that's really encouraging because to me he was the guy going into camp that we really were going to pay attention to because if he's able and and i brought it up i i would like to see him play in a top six role because i think they're i think that's his i think that's where they're going to put him i know i well obviously after the first two days that's where they're going to put him but we talked about it and you were dead set against mercer playing on the third And, and, and i said listen if he could play with Halla and he looks good. There's no reason that he won't be able to play with Nico and look good because everybody that plays with Nico looks good. So the fact that they put him with uh, Nico and Timo, that just sounds deadly to me. And not only that is it really drops holds down or drops Mercer down to the third line. And the thought of, could you imagine being a third line player and having to play against Palat, Halla, and Mercer? That's like skill. Wow. So. I think, like, you know, to me, if Holtz looks as good as he does, that could be some, it's just newfound talent that's just such an extra plus for the team where it could go a long way to adding depth to our, we don't only have a great top six now, we have a great top nine. So that that's encouraging. Um, Bill, can I ask you, um, just out of curiosity, from the last podcast, you and Dad having the uh, Connor Bedard, you know, uh, over under bet. What do you think Alexander Holtz does this season? What how many wow. how many goals do you think Alexander Holtz has this season? Uh, I think that if he play, it depends on where he plays. So if he plays with uh, Nico and Timo, I expect him to have over twenty goals. Wow, that would be that, huge. That would be incredible. That would be that would be great, man. Um, and then, 
Yeah, if he plays if he plays 82 games, I expect him to have 20 goals because that's what he does. Like he's not going to be He's not a what do you call you know, he's not like a disher. He's not going to have he's like a bunch the, of assists. Yeah, no, he's going to score. Like that's going to be his main thing. Um that's where that's where I see him. What about you, dad? I mean, I would love. I nothing would make me happier than if he was a 20 goal scorer. And, you know, it's it's like found money. It's like putting on an old pair of pants and finding money in the pocket. Because as of last year, I mean, we were all like, oh, well, we wanted Timo so bad. Oh, they're going to give up Holtz. And it was like, I know you guys weren't, but I was like, I had already given up on him. I have a very short, you know, attention span or whatever. I didn't think that, you know, I kind of thought that he wasn't. Lindy Ruff didn't like him. I thought maybe, you know, you know, not to say he was a bust or whatever, but he needed a new start with somebody else. But maybe they managed him perfectly. I don't think they managed him perfectly because they let him sit out so many games. You know, like, I think Tom Fitzgerald even came out and he said, listen, he, he actually he said that uh, Holtz was going to be a pillar for the organization. And he did acknowledge the fact that well, if I knew that they were going to be that good, um, we would have sent them down to Utica, right? Like, I mean, right, you get what let I'm him get games. He didn't get any games in. Another player that we looked at that seems like they've come off of their injury well seems to be Andre Palat. He said he came into camp slimmer, came into camp a lot faster. He had a goal in one of the scrimmages today. So, Andre Pilat got a, got off to a rough start after that groin injury, which right. when when you have to get surgery for a groin tear, that's a big deal. I think it's fair as Devils fans like to give him a little bit of a break. He has the uh, the experience, and he's there's we have no reason to doubt him. Right? Like, Would you compare that to Dougie Hamilton breaking his jaw the year before? It's like having having a big injury it's like you can't really show who you really are and i don't think that plot did last year until the playoffs i i think um i think injuries that uh are around ligaments i think like broken bones are one thing i think ligament damage or achilles or something where you're not able to skate is 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 a lot bigger of a deal um anybody that has follow sports knows like an MCL or an ACL tear or sprain it always takes a player about a year to get back to normal right. and uh, don't be surprised if you see Palat really uh, flourish this year especially because he's going to be playing on the third line alongside Halla and it looks like Dawson Mercer and Holtz being able to carry his weight and if he's able to become a top six player it slots Mercer down into the third line and I can't think of an, a better third line in the entire league than no. those three. Who's, who's gonna? Who who's would want to match up? To who that? would want to play against those guys? Right. And think of how. Think of you know, Lindy's not a not a dumb guy. Think of how much improvement Holtz had to make to make that jump up when you know Dawson scored thirty goals last year. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because. One of the things that I've worried about is while, you know, all right, 
Holtz may be good to Tom Fitzgerald and maybe you know may look good to the fans. He may be in Ruff's doghouse. There's coaches that just right. put players in their doghouse, and that's the way it goes. But I feel like seeing Ruff come out and really praise Holtz after right. just one practice, he said he looks so much better. I think he's better away from the puck and this and that. And it's like those are very high praises um, because you need the blessing of the coach if you want to right. get ice time because he's going to control the personnel. The, did you think it was like a, a yeah, yeah, rough thing last year that he really wasn't happy with his play and stuff and that's why you know he was sitting i yeah i mean do you not that, no i definitely do i'm asking you yeah of that's course i do thought. yeah it's the coach's decision i mean to play guys or you know you're gonna put them in the lineup and if you're gonna put them in the lineup how much ice time are they gonna get and that's where you really saw right. it like if you're not gonna put the guy if you're gonna have him in the lineup and you're not gonna play him obviously that means that you're unhappy with his play right so i think the most important thing we've seen is Ruff acknowledging the progression of him because that's going to be the guy that ultimately ultimately determines the level of success that they think he's capable of. Right. So to me, I was I was happy to see um, I was happy to see Lindy Ruff come out and actually say something. And, it, and it's good for Holtz too to, to hear praise from his coach and his general manager and everybody, you know, uh, everybody saying that he looks like the bright spot in camp you, so far. You have to think that if they didn't trade him during the Meyer trade, that they have a, a place for him because obviously he would have been the number one right. guy that everyone would have been going after, especially with the connection between um, him and uh, William uh, Eklund. So, like, William Eklund and, and Holtz were pretty tight together, and they played for the Swedish national team. And you would have thought that Eklund being a top prospect for San Jose, that Mike Greer would have wanted to bring Holtz over to, like, have that chemistry and have two pillars to build their team around. And for Fitzgerald to pull that trade off without having to give up Holtz, I think that shows that they have, they still have faith in him, and they're still willing to see where this goes. To get the blessing from Lindy Ruff, I think it goes a long way. So right. um, I think they did a full court press trying to get Holtz for that trade. And him not not giving in, I think that's that shows how you much don't they know like him. Like there's no way to know that, but you would think he was our top prospect at the time. They weren't gonna give up Hughes, they weren't gonna give up Nemitz. So uh Holtz seemed like the easy target. Um with that said, it looks like it sounds like Simone Nemitz has looked very good playing in just the two scrimmages so far. Luke Hughes sounds like he had some precautions that they were trying to take, you know, trying to take a look at. They didn't want to rush anything. He missed the first day or two of um, camp and he's back in. He looks to be he looks to be playing well. You know, they ran out of three on three. It looks like Brat and, and Hughes are, are connecting and they're playing with Foley on their wing. Um, they ran out of three on three yesterday in the scrimmage and it was a it was a Timo Nico uh, Nemitz pairing or, or whatever you want to call it, trifecta. And that that looks to me that's, that's like exciting. That's right up my alley, so that was exciting to see. 
So what we're going to do right now is we want to kind of get our listeners to get a better understanding of who we are and kind of some of the stuff that we've seen over the years and just growing up playing hockey and, and and some of the funny stories. And what we tried to do is we tried to limit it to, all right, everybody gets five stories, whether or not, and we didn't tell each other what the five stories were. So um, we may have some of the same same stuff, but we we, we tried to come up with the, the craziest and, and weirdest and funniest stories that we've seen between being on the ice, being a hockey father, playing, being a playing double a hockey like there's a lot or playing street hockey there's a lot of different um there's a lot of different layers to becoming like a real hockey enthusiast and being really into it and we've thought it might give uh our listeners a better understanding of who we are and how we understand the game and the crazy shit that we've seen along the way so um we'll probably have to break this up into two different episodes (laughs) because there is a lot of weird shit that we've seen over the years. Um, and to give you a good idea, I started playing hockey. I was probably uh, 10 when my brother's four years younger, so he was six. And then we didn't start playing like competitively until two or three years after that. So let's just say I was 12 and, and Kyle was eight. Does that sound about right? Well, you- you yeah, played might yeah. hockey. Yeah, maybe uh, probably. You were five. Yeah, you were yeah, five yeah, when you started might. You joined the mites at six. Yeah, probably six. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna talk about. We're gonna have to like refrain from some people's names because this might get weird. And one of the things that we're gonna do is some of it is devils related because the devils were a huge part of our hockey existence. Um, and then some of it is about growing up in a rink. Some of it's about playing out front, you know, but, and some of it's about being a parent and having two hockey players as kids. So, uh, that's a completely different element that I'm not familiar with at this time, but we're going to get into top five weirdest or craziest or funniest or most acknowledged moment. They don't all have to be good. Um, and we don't know what we're going to say right now. This is a this is a round table. <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh, we got so many great stories. All right, here. All right, Dad, why don't you lead it off? You want me off? to start? You could lead it off. With, you want me to start? So, start, I have start. so I have so many great stories. Start. But it's like, what's what's a great story to me may not translate to everybody out there and stuff. But but here's a good here's Can a you, really good story. Here's a really good story. Our seats were were we row nineteen. Mm-hmm. We were row nineteen, and in the old Brendan Byrne, um, if you had aisle seats in whatever section we were at, row nineteen, you were on the red line. I mean, we had the best seats in the house. Um, we were I right next. We, we were right next to the press boxes. We were right next to the press boxes. It was boxes. section twenty-one, row nineteen. Okay, and. And Gary Bettman had the seats in front of us with his daughters and stuff. So when he came to the games, he he sat there. And I mean, we would go and we would we would always go down and watch the warm-ups. And Kyle always was able to get pucks from like Claude Lemieux. I think, well, you know, was right. like uh, Claude Lemieux and Kyle. He knew Kyle. Friends. They had a, you guys had a re, yeah, had a connection or whatever. 
but you know we had the press boxes right in between us and it was cool because everybody that was scouting games uh coaches and stuff during warm-ups would be in there taking notes and all the people that were announcing and everything were were in there and that was like their work time they were all taking notes and then as they left um you know they were celebrities it was like people would like swarm them and if you're if you're an old-time hockey person or somebody that that knows hockey for a long time you would know who barry melrose is and barry melrose who would you compare him to today everybody knows who barry melrose is. no everybody doesn't know who barry melrose is there there's like a 15 year old kid watching this that may not know who are listening to this that may not know who he is barry melrose like you know he was he was like he a was an Ryan. nhl player he wound up became <laughs> He, he wound Without up the toe fetish. <laughs> he wound up becoming uh, NHL coach, and he coached the the Kings into uh, Stanley Cup. into the 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 Stanley Cup in '93. But Barry's known for his mullet and stuff, and he was like a dresser, like Don Cherry. I mean, he was always dressed dressed to the nines, what he thought was the nines. And when and we were we must have been playing the Kings and. He was in the press box and he was like doing his notes or whatever. And when he came out, the kids start running around and and they're, you know, they're swarming him and and with their programs and stuff. Could you sign this? Could you sign this? And we're sitting there and um, and he's signing everybody. He was very nice signing everybody's stuff. And he looked down at Kyle and Kyle's probably eight years old. Well, you figure it was it had to be in the early 90s so Kyle's like probably eight years old and he gives him a head nod and he goes do you want my autograph and Kyle just shakes his head he goes no and he goes do you know who I am and he Kyle goes yeah it was like <laughs> one of those times it was one of those times where if it was like nowadays it would have been videoed and it would have went viral. It was the funniest thing that, you know, Barry Melrose was like one of the hottest. Do you remember that? I, I don't remember that. I mean, I, I remember you It happened. You telling it, me this, but, but, I, but him, I believe that. I his, mean. The look on his face when he goes, do you want my autograph? And Kyle goes, no. And then him just like, do you know who I am? What is mullet? And Kyle just shaking his head. Yeah, I know who you are. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that that was that, yeah. that was yeah. A funny, we, we got funny to moment. we got to see a lot of cool people at our seats. And like the funniest is like Dennis Leary used to sit in front yeah. of us. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I forgot all about oh, that. And he'd be like Dennis Leary, like fuck you, guys. I'm, right. like, I'm, I'm smoking <laughs> smoking cigarettes. <laughs> exactly. I'm smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they they. They outlawed cigarettes, or you know, they made like right. you couldn't smoke inside anymore. 
And they made well, every no. You could smoke. No, they inside. made everybody go into right. the like the concession area to smoke cigarettes. Right into the concourse. Yeah. <laughs> like that made no, 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 no. Well, no. Well, no. You actually, you actually had to go all the way up to the to the upper deck, and they had the ring around, you know, in the upper deck. Well, they and didn't. You, they didn't pay as much for their seats, so you, they should but, die. Of no, I'm saying you could smoke up there though. It was like well, smoke rises. Right. right they were yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah, everyone yeah, as yeah, high yeah, as possible. Just, and. And Dad was a smoker. Oh, oh my God. And, 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 oh, and he was like, time, yeah. he was like, this right. is, this is like persecution. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was trying to convince right. us that that this was awful what they were doing to yeah. the smokers. Yeah. Yeah. They're picking on me. They're singling me out. Oh. I'm saying, it, out there in podcast land, literally imagine going to a, a Devils game. And being able to smoke in your seats, <laughs> and, you know, it, and then and then being outraged by yeah. the fact that you had to go to the upper deck to smoke yeah. and being it's like, a whole what new the world. hell? Hey, we're going back in time there, and that was totally acceptable back then. The upper deck was just packed during intermission. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, then yeah. they pushed <laughs> us outside to where you had to go outside the door. Oh, you were so and mad. It was freezing out there and you would walk outside and you could like see nicotine in the air <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, that's awesome um, i don't smoke anymore so all yeah, good yeah so uh kyle what do you got you got a story or yeah i got a story um i was actually just just telling dad uh this today it's it's a rather uh gross story so if you're <laughs> no it's a funny yeah, story no, if you're so if funny. you're if you're eating lunch or something like that um please please beware but um first uh first overnight hockey camp brick hockey camp oh me and bill go to <laughs> oh, no uh, yeah oh god yeah. uh nice nice we, we, we stay we stay for you know what was it seven days and uh um, again i'm probably seven years old staying away for the first time you know for for an extended stay and uh i don't want to poop in a public restroom you know i don't want to i don't want to poop in the locker room bathrooms oh wait wait you so this only... isn't about me no, no it's not about you oh, wants, i'm no, gonna top no. i'm gonna top whatever he only I don't wants even, to yeah. poop at home i don't yeah. even okay yeah. i don't even know what you're gonna say but i have i whatever you're going to say i am going to be able to talk All at right. the break hockey uh, camp let him yeah finish. okay is this for jim dowd yeah. and everything like yeah, Jimmy Dowd. Yes. Jimmy Dowd yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Dowd was there. Yeah, he showed up the the, the last day, um, but I wind up. You know, we're we're in bunk beds. It's like I don't know. For some reason, I always imagine the uh, the sleeping quarters kind of like Full Metal Jacket, like the, the, <laughs> <totally. you> know, <laughs> like the bunk beds, and uh, but yeah. So I don't want to poop in the in in whatever the the bathrooms that's there so i literally hold my poop how many days it was it was seven days on the seventh day <laughs> i gave i gave up Jesus Christ. And, yeah and i think i went out and like scored two goals <laughs> afterwards in like he the final so the faster. final like game of of uh of the camp but um 
Yeah, holding that. I thought I was really going to be able to make it the entire time, but uh, on, on so the final funny. day, I, I caved. Oh, it was like an so Artie, top, Artie, so Artie Lang heroin. Yeah, it was an Ar- Yeah, it yeah. was. I, I, I wasn't even a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than. It was bigger than you. Yes. All right, here. Was. So, do you remember we were at that same camp, and we used to go into that. Cafeteria, cafeteria. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and we would eat, and we would have like salad, and then we'd give you like whatever. And uh, I got sick, so I got Lyme's disease. Yes, exactly. At yeah. Brick Hockey yeah. Camp, and uh, it was because we were laying all of our. You know, if you play hockey, you would understand your equipment is the grossest shit ever, especially back in the day where everything was like your gloves were leather and whatnot. But you would have to lay all your equipment out because if you skate every day for three, four hours a day, the amount of sweat that a, a player sweats, it's so like dramatic. that's that's why like NHL players have multiple gloves during a game and stuff like that. So they would lay my, they, everyone would lay their equipment out and you would have dry land too. And we would go into the back and we would have dry land practice. And um, I laid my stuff out and a tick got into my equipment and then I put my equipment on and I ended up getting Lyme disease from it. But I remember like so vividly and it's so gross too, is we were like eating lunch and we were eating salad that had like Thousand Island dressing on it. And I was getting sick and I ended up, I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna puke. And I ended up, like, walking out to the rink. There was no one on the ice. Everyone was, like, inside. The whole camp was inside. And I walked out. And I was like, oh, no. And I actually, like, puked right next to a garbage can. But managed not to get it into the garbage can. But I puked next to it. And, it, and it, like, I, like, tried to, like, hold my mouth to hold it in. And it, like, got into my hands. Oh. And then I turned. And I threw it at the... The glass that yeah. you would watch the game from, if you wanted yeah, to right, be like, right, it was right where it when was you walked right, in. right where the goalie is, and you right. would, like if you wanted to watch the game from inside right. and be warm, there's nowhere to do it at Brick unless that first thing. And I just threw it at the glass because I was so fucking pissed. Um, you couldn't make the garbage can, and you call yourself a butcher, mother. <laughs> no, but you know what? He still did all of this. And got a grade A in uh, oh, his wow. dry land. Oh, wow. I have oh, we his have, dry oh, wow. land. We have visual. I, I wound up. I I I was cleaning Wait, my garage. Let me guess. Out let me guess. What that, is moved. that for? Is that for faceoffs? No, it's for wow. a shot. Oh, okay. We. I have his report card from that camp, and I swear to God, I didn't know that these guys were going to talk about that. But I wound up, I was cleaning my garage, and I went through all this stuff, and I was trying to throw out a ton of stuff. Wow. And I found, me. like, all, a lot of their hockey stuff. So, so there you go. So, so that's something you can bring home. I can show you this picture, and uh, it says, um, photo analysis, dryland training. And it's about me, my wrist shot. It says, uh, weight transfer plus, follow through plus, Wrist rollover plus, head up plus, foot placement plus, hand placement on stick plus, good job, exclamation point. It looks pretty legit, not going to lie. Looks pretty good, right? Looks pretty good. That looks like really good form on there. It does. So, Um, I mean. Wow, Wow, that's a bust out. There you go. You like that? That is a nice bust out. Um, And just to to give you guys a little context. You look very much like William. Do I? He does. He does. Yeah, give you guys a little context. Like, we grew up 
like playing every day. Like this every day, every single every day. day. Like to where if you put me on the ice now, I'm 41. I didn't play for 10 plus years. You put me on the ice. You're going to be like, all right, this guy is a little rusty, but he knows what the fuck he's doing. You know what I mean? And same goes for Kyle. And like, we, I'm just, you know, my kids are young and I you just guys got were place. hockey players. Yeah. You were real hockey players. And it was like, I always, I always had the, the, I always had the idea that, you know what? It's like, give your kids a chance to play whatever they want. Billy, you were a pitcher in baseball and you played football and Kyle played baseball and this and that. And it was like, give them a chance to do whatever they want to do and see what they like and see what they love. And as soon as it turned to hockey, it was like, that was it. It was, they were on the ice seven days a week. That's that's actually a good transition to a, a, another story. It is transition. Uh, no, 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 no. Tra- go for I'm, it. I'm, I'm, tell, I'm, tell, I, I'm saying that this is a good transition because Bill was actually, Bill played football, Bill played uh, baseball, played hockey, um, but... Billy was, ho- his, Billy but, was a star yeah. in his baseball. He was the lead pitcher right. and quarterback in football. It's like he right. was the guy. But we didn't have the love for the exactly. game. For, for the, I mean, exactly. we're, we're huge football fans. That's it. You know, you're, you're obviously a Mets fan and everything, but... Not um, really. But but not but but not, not baseball. Like I I I remember growing up growing up, and we went to a Yankees game. I think that we wound up getting tickets from from mom's dad pop. Right right. And um, it was like you know it was a day game. It was I think it was like a, a Saturday or a Sunday. And the four of us as a family were, were there. Um, it was probably the first baseball game that I had ever gone to, and we probably stayed there for about two innings, maybe three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we went and, to a hockey game. Yeah, and it was like <laughs> the Devils are playing. There's a matinee, three o'clock. We're leaving. Got up, <laughs> left the Yankees <laughs> game, and we, and we went to the Devils. And game. on the way home, all we all we could talk about is who's your favorite player. Right. And it was like you know we were hockey. You were you were you you were a Flyers fan, Billy. And, you know, you were new to it and stuff. I was, you know, I'm not even going to tell you who you, I grew you, you up You were like. a Rangers fan. Let's, no, you know, no, no. Bite your tongue. That's no, like, that, that no, was, don't, don't no, throw no, the fucking flyer no, thing No, 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 no. But I'm no, saying that's, that. I'm saying, but that's that's also in, in an important context for, right. uh, for, us, up, for us. Everybody that is. It's like, human development. Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> well, everybody that is like 60 plus that is a devil fan you liked one of the other teams before the devils came before 1982 you liked one of the other teams and when i grew up i grew up in Kearney, and we used to be able to take the the path trains over and go watch the games and stuff and seven dollar blue seats and for the rangers it was great but that was our first devil game and it was and it was like i remember on the ride home so who's your favorite player? And it was like, you know, we were all giving uh, Zillapukin and uh, 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 C-Mac and this and that. And that was, that was pretty fun. Wow, Alexander C-Mac, deep cut. Deep yeah. cut, but nobody yeah. picked him as their favorite player. No, but I'm just saying, we all picked, we all picked players. 
And then all of a sudden, these guys who are just natural athletes, these guys, like, find hockey to play, and it was like, okay. They were in love, and it was like... You were in love, too. I was in love, too. I was. But it was like, okay, if you're going to be successful, all of your friends that were playing were on the ice seven days a week, so we got to be on the ice seven days a week, so what do we do? We wind up, you guys start playing organized hockey, and it's like the summertime comes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have to go whoa, to whoa, Canada whoa, 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 and play whoa. hockey. Don't just jump the shark, bro. Like, we're going to spread it spread it out, right? So we had to be on the ice all the time. We wanted to get better. We were very competitive. You were crazy. Um, <laughs> so you. Kyle was uh, playing for the Times River Blackhawks. Um, and can we, we just give a, a shout out to Sean Matthews who listens hold on. to the you got, okay, you, all right, you, gotta, all right. you, you can't just okay. jump the shark. Okay. We're talking right, about everything. Right. We should do one story at a time, okay? Okay. So we're we were playing competitively and we wanted to get better. And like one of the best hockey camps, this is my this is my story. Like this is one of my stories. Oh, I thought you're I thought that it was so it was like we want to go to Canada and we want to play in Canada in the off season and really work on our skills and whatnot. So we get signed up for this hockey camp up there called Huron, which was pretty famous. Like this is no joke. This is real deal hockey stuff. It was in Cornwall, Ontario, which is the home of the Cornwall Aces at the time. And we're driving up and we're going to we're going to Canada. And how old do you think we were? You were, you were. I was probably ten were, or eleven. No, you no. weren't. You were. You. It was before Squirt. You were. That was like no. in between. It was, it was in probably, between. I'm going to say we were thirteen and nine or twelve and eight. Yeah, yeah. And probably, we went up yeah. to Canada. So we're we're driving up there, and we get to the border and. <laughs> There's this. That was one of my stories. There's this big bridge that is actually like it turns. The bridge actually turns, which is like kind of cool. Like it was this very like respected, huge bridge that leads you on the border from the United States into Ontario. So as we're going in, there's this line of traffic, and people are starting to like wonder what's going on, and it's not moving. And we find out there's a guy jumping off the bridge. Well, you also you also have to add in the fact that we've been driving for eight hours. Okay, it was a long ride. So we're 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 waiting, we're waiting to get over the bridge, and the police are kind of letting us know, hey, listen, there's a guy standing on the top of the bridge. He's threatening. He's going to jump off. Blah blah blah. And we're like, okay. And everybody's like sitting in their cars. And this is like starting to go on for a long time. And then we realize there's a wedding behind us. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there's like, uh, so they had the wedding in the United States, but the reception was going to be held in, in Ontario and the wedding party couldn't get from the States to Ontario. And like the bride's dad was like, freaking it was, out. I think it was the groom, like, 
holding, oh, being held back. Right. Like, right. I'm, let him jump. <laughs> he better well, fucking right. jump because we're going to kill him. I, I think that we let our jersey shine through there and we yeah, were like, yeah. you're right. Let him yeah, jump. Yeah, Start yeah, the yeah, traffic yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> and it went on and everybody started getting out of their cars and like putting blankets down and laying in the grass and like turn their cars off and it became like this like weird it wasn't a party by any means it was just this weird like we're all anger. stuck and people were like dude just fucking jump already like if you're gonna jump jump right right but if right, you're not right, gonna jump right. so then we like learn that like they're like oh listen jobs are really hard to find and there's like indian reservations around here and this and that and they were like a lot of times they jump and they don't and this is a big bridge like this is yeah, like no, it, was, right. it wasn't yeah. like yeah it wasn't like you're jumping over a bridge right. like what was it like the, Mississauga or so something like, in New York usually they they jump off and then sometimes if they don't die they, it's the current it just sucks them under and they get and they drown to death and we're like okay okay but either uh, way traffic's moving <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very Jersey of us but we we dealt with the jumper there yeah and then we we went up and we we ended up staying in Cornwall, Ontario for two weeks, I think it was. Yep. And we stayed in dorms, college dorms. And when I tell you we we trained, we were training like I'm assuming the same way that any professional athlete would train. It was three to four hours of dry land and then it was three hours plus a day on ice. And we had this coach, one of our coaches, his name was Powder. Because his hands were so soft. And his hands were so soft, <laughs> yeah. and he, he handled he the... Played for, he played for the Canucks. Yeah. And his, and he could just, the way he could stick handle and everything, like you never heard the puck hit his stick when he would stick handle, and his hands were like powder. And um, and I remember, I remember play, you know, we played where the Cornwall Aces played. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And, and we actually, we weirdly enough, we were in the newspaper. Yeah, they, that's right. They, they, no, they, but wait, they, wait. You guys actually, you guys actually played with with that camp was like one of the best camps, and so they had people from Belgium, from England. Right, England yeah, from, I remember. Uh, the, I remember all the kids from England from, showing us their stab wounds. And from uh, <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. had from uh, <laughs> from Japan, and the big thing was they everybody taught each other curse words in their language right right well that was that was one thing but they 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 interviewed us for for the newspaper and uh we drove up Do you mean we, we, this newspaper oh yeah exactly <laughs> oh, no. yes the legion of I doom have, I got a exactly picture. i got a picture brian yeah. andres he cursed wait. us what? I have the Sports Plus News, and it's from the Standard Freeholder from Cornwall, Ontario in 1995. How old were you? You were 11. No, you no, were nine. No, I was nine. Yeah. You were nine, so you had to be <laughs> 13. And I have Holy a picture, shit. and it's a picture of uh, two kids from England. Here, you could, uh, you could take it from there. And, wow, um, this is crazy. I, I and... So there's a picture of a bunch of international kids sitting on a on a stoop. on a curb waiting yeah. for the the bus. Uh, uh, green of Birmingham, England. Atushi Ahada, uh, Yuseke Ikada, Okai Do from Osaka, Japan. Bill Butramovich of Tom's River, New Jersey. 
Wow, this is read the, the nuts. and the article. Well, says Brian that, Andres called yeah, us the Legion right. of Doom. It was line. like, it was uh, like Bill Butchermovich and Kyle Butchermovich and Brian Andres come from Tom's River, New Jersey. They call themselves the Legion of Doom because no, that, I, I'm saying I, I cursed Brian's name no, for, for right. forever because exactly. that was the flyers. It well, was right. like, here, are you Kyle, kidding? Me? I, I don't want you. That has Billy's picture in it, but I actually have your hat. Oh my god. I have god. his hockey hat from wow. that camp. dead. Where did you pull this right, stuff right, up right, from? Come on, man. It's like, hey, oh, tell me I don't care. Crap. A tell Huron me hockey care. camp. Wow. <laughs> oh, what a great freaking hat. I wound up, I washed it for you, too. Only because I it's remember, 20 we, Me and you have a picture old. with me wearing the set. Well, remember, well yeah. when they went to that camp, we drove them up there, and it was like an eight-hour drive. Me and me and my wife drove them up there. Is that good or what? That's a good yeah, one. That's so, incredible. So we wound up, we drove them up there, and it's an eight-hour drive, and we dropped them at camp, and everything's fine. They've been to hockey camp before. And on the ride home... We drove home. Me and mom didn't say a word for eight hours. We drove all the way home, never talked to each other for eight hours. It was like we just left our kids in Canada. We wound up, we went to bed, woke up the next morning and said, we can't do this. And we wound up driving back up there and we stalked them. We watched you from the rafters <laughs> and stuff for the first couple days. We got a Best Western. We stayed the Best Western there, picked you up for dinner every night and stuff. And um, that was hockey. Uh, that we, was hockey life, though. Like, right. That was some serious hockey shit. Well, like, it was it was like that. This is like my kids. You guys wanted to play so bad and you guys were so good. It was like, I got to do everything I can to help. But it was like, I can't be away from you for two weeks. So, yeah, it was intense. We lived in a dorm and it was like, um, you know, you had to use a pay phone to call your parents and stuff like it was it was real deal. But the. The skill set that you learned in just two weeks was really it was hardcore man like right. we were we were we were so deep in it and i kind of wish that a lot of like our listeners and stuff who maybe like are in love with the game of hockey got as much as we experience were. like yeah. and you could like i wish they could do that and like i talk about like trying to get my my son Bo into it and stuff and it's like because i i know what the game did for me and the lifelong friends that it gave me and these people become part of your family straight up like you you live if you're a travel hockey parent that's listening to this right now you know that there are kids that live at your house with you you are on the road living in hotels and these are more than just friends these are not friends anymore you're you're we're, we're way beyond that family yeah, this, they're this family is, this is family and we and everyone comes from different walks of life so like you learn to adapt and just embrace people for who they are and they become part of your family but um yeah that was that was good what do you, what do you got you want to do another one dad um or you got one kyle i got one i got one come on, come on. Uh, I, I got uh i have to have a little something else here how about how about um if you want to stay on the camps, we could stay on, stay on the camps and stuff. But how about the Devils playoffs in 94? The Devils playoffs were playing uh, 
Detroit Red Wings. It was the longest devil game no. in history. That was Depend- the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo, you're right. I'm sorry. It was the Buffalo Sabres. They went to four There was, there was a lot of cigarette smoking in that one. Was oh, well. worst <laughs> cigarette smoking. I think, worst I, cigarette I think smoking. we were even smoking <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> well, you were definitely catching the secondhand smoke. We, sure. we were just standing as close to you as possible. But it, it was the Buffalo Sabres, and it was... It was Dominic Hasek versus Marty Brodeur. and Dominic Hasek made 70 yeah. saves that game, and Brodeur made uh, 49. Rob Roy. I, I wish he would have had 50. Um... But the game went, like, me being a hockey dad, I I mean, it was like, you guys could do whatever you want. I was bringing them to games during the week, and mom was always like, you know, they got school the next day, we're going to have problems, and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I'm like, they'll be fine. They sleep in the car on the way home. The game's over at 9.30. They're going to bed at 9 anyway. Oh, we've we've got problems. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, don't worry about them. Don't worry. I got it. I got it. Does anybody so, need another drink? <laughs> yeah, I can do this one. I'll, I'll take one. I'll take one, yeah. too. Matt, who's the best bartender in the world in Asheville, he's a uh, he's a big uh, Penguins fan. Yeah. We were just talking to him before. But, um, but it would be like, you know, I had to pull a couple strings to, to let them stay up a little later and this and that. So they're playing hey, Buffalo. Hey, not to cut you off. When did you start bringing us to games during the week on school nights? Because William's nine now, and I have season tickets, and I would love to bring him to games, but age is not really happening. You should be it, going right, to right. exhibition games <laughs> during yeah. the week yeah. and the hell with school. Yeah. It's what's important and what's not important. Right. It was like, that was our, that's our, that's why we're here. That's why we're here now. It's like, I truly appreciate you guys bringing me out for my 65th birthday and taking time from your own family and stuff. But it's like, tell me that isn't the glue that stuck us together. Hockey. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, forget it. Besides and, our and blood. It's not just that. It's not yeah. just hockey. We, we have a lot of other things. But I mean, it was no, like, it's pretty much just hockey. Yeah, at this point, <laughs> because I haven't talked to Billy yeah. since the last playoff. He, yeah, was, so the Devils had their last playoff game. Dad lived 15 minutes from me. I didn't see him one time. We didn't cut talk. Him off. I cut him off. I cut him off. He's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was like going to games. Like mom used to fight with me and stuff. And say, oh, they can't go during the week. They have tests and this that. And I'm like, they're fine. They sleep in the car on the way home. So we would do that. Now but the best Buffalo the, Sabres the best, game. The best nights were when we had to, to park in the parking lot across and go across the the sky bridge. Yeah, yeah. We would all be cows going across. But we wound up watching that game, and um, and we had to be really quiet because mom had already gone to bed, and it went to four overtimes. And me being the 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 great dad that I was, like <laughs> worried about my children, it was like you're never gonna stay up. Come outside onto the deck. It's freezing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cold, freezing it's cold, cold outside. outside. <laughs> It'll keep you awake so you can watch the next overtime. <laughs> <laughs> and we did it four times, and they lost, and we cursed our way up the stairs to bed. 
<laughs> that was so funny. Oh my god. Oh my god. What a classic game. That yeah. was a classic game. I mean, that's like Hashek stood on his head. That's two of the greatest like, goaltenders to ever live. Just yeah, going after yeah. it and like for there to be no regulation to stop that game, just let it be. Let them play right. as long as they want to. That was a really special game. Hey, we game. won the series. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. we lost the next series, but uh, we won that series. And, and it was that that season two. And tell me that uh, wasn't a great game. No, that, that was incredible, and incredible was, game. Tell me it was but, like it. It became like a mission. It was yeah. like well, I've, I I will uh, not. Uh, well, go to, bed. to be honest, I fell asleep. It was you and Bill that stayed up. I. W- Again, I was probably like Kyle. You were smoking cigs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Billy's my favorite. Yeah. Kyle. <laughs> um, but I'm saying that season. I remember um, there were games that they didn't they didn't have on TV. They they right, didn't they, right, they, right. they had black, blackout, and we used to we sit, would listen to the we radio. We used to sit and listen on the radio, and it's yeah. like that's just. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. like dedication. listening to, yeah. it's like just listening also, to like just, the Germans invade yeah. Paris. Well, or, or listening to like old time <laughs> TV and stuff where in the 20s before TV, they'd listen to whatever. But we, we were. I, I All right. Well, he, Matt does make a strong drink. So. But I mean, that was that's like how great is that? Like thinking about that. No, now. I'm saying that it, literally, I mean. I'm sure mom was even there too, but but the four of us literally sitting silently listening to the radio, listening to a Devils right. game. It was mom like, came and, to a ton and, of games and that was with us. that was like kind of you know again that probably happened like a handful of times, like maybe right. ten times uh, over the course of the season. Literally just sitting right. and listening yeah. to the games. Uh, so that's what it takes to be a real Devil fan. Yeah, yeah. I got I got one more, and then we'll wrap this episode up. Um, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing this, so thank you. Yeah, guys. me too. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I have so many. We'll get into this one. So we we had the we were very fortunate. We got to play with some really awesome teams, and and we got to play with some really skilled players, people that were way beyond our skill level. You know, you think of a guy like Kevin Kelt, and Kevin Kelt, obviously, he went on to play for, what, BU? Mm-hmm. And, and then you look at Joey Walcheson, who is basically a brother to me and, and to UConn, all of us. Yeah, captain. He, he was the captain of UConn hockey, and then his brother was the captain of the St. Peterborough Peets up in the OHL, and Sean Matthews played against Sidney Crosby. And right. Like, you look at, like, all these players that we played with who are just – they're not just they're not just people we played hockey with. These are fucking people yeah, that family members. These are yeah, family yeah, members. Like yeah. we speak to them daily, and we, like these they are lived people. at our house yeah. forever. And, I fed and, them and, for and, years. And they're people that we really just to this day they're our best friends, and uh, we're very fortunate to have these people in our lives. You look at like you know, one time I remember we were in. Uh, were we in? I don't know where we were. We were at a game, and it was Kyle. Kyle played for the uh, for the Toms River Blackhawks, and then he went on to play for the Wall American Eagles Double A. Um, but when he was playing for the Blackhawks, the best team, in my opinion, that he ever played for, despite being single A compared to Double A, was this team where um, it had Kevin Kelt and Joe Walcheson and and Sean Matthews and uh, Brian Andres, a bunch of other. D- 
very respected hockey players. And this one game, Joe Walchesson is one of the best hockey players that I've ever been around in my entire life. Like, he played defense. He was built like a brick shithouse. He had man strength when he was, like, 13 years old. But he knew all the little nuances of the game and, and his puck control and toughness and everything that came with hockey comes with Joe. That's just the way the, the kid lives his life. But we were, in, we were in this one game. He actually used to, like, there's so much shit that, like, if you didn't play, you wouldn't understand. And it's like, you know, professional, you know, professional NHL players, they have new gloves every period if they want to. You know what I mean? Like, you're a kid. You're, you're not getting your gloves repalmed. Like, your fingers come through your gloves. Right, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, when you play as much as, as Grab we did. Grab a little face mask. And, and Joe had his fingers through his through his gloves and, like, in front of the net. You would grab somebody. People who were wearing cages at that time, you could put your your glove against their face, and it would look like you were giving them face palm, right. but your fingers could be grabbing them right. by the face mask. Exactly. And if you grab somebody by the head and rip them down, their body goes with right. it. And, like, Joe is just a really strong dude, and he was able to do that. And this one time, you know, they had gotten into a fight on the ice and Joe was like getting after it with somebody and the ref came over and broke him up. And then the ref managed to like grab Joe and basically get him and like take him to the ground and hop on top of him. This is Lawrenceville. And they were, they were kids. Yeah. And the ref was on top of Joe and like, kind of like straddling him, came out. like throwing yeah. him down. And people are like, yo, like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, it's like, yo, get off of him. And the ref wouldn't get off of him. And people started wigging out. And they couldn't figure out how to, they couldn't figure out where the door was to get onto the ice. Right. So people started climbing over, over the, the glass. And you yeah. saw parents jumping over the glass, like launching themselves onto the ice and running onto the ice and sneakers and going after the ref and fights breaking out. And then the other team, and trust me, like, it gets super heated at these youth hockey events, especially, you know, it's not normal for a mom to see their kid get punched in the face for the first time or get tossed. It's, it, just, to, just as a side note, it's also not normal to see a mom spit on another child. That's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole other story. That's another that's story. I have that on yeah, my but, list, so, Kyle. But I'm saying parents aren't used to seeing their kids get hit and hurt, and, like, it's the first time that you see, like, a kid square up with somebody else and get beat up, and the parents overreact, and, like, understandably, like, now that I'm a parent, like, I get it. I would never do that, but I understand how you could be emotionally, like, incredibly invested into somebody else. So people started jumping over the glass and it turned into a fucking melee. And the other team, their parents were like yelling at our team, like, what what are they doing on the ice, blah, 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 blah. And I remember just like, it got so out of control. The police had to come and they got, the whole game got canceled. They escorted everybody off the ice and all the other parents on the, on the Lawrenceville Flames were like, screaming and like yelling at our team like calling them trash and joe just got a stick and just tomahawked it into right, the crowd into the stands. and, yeah, and it was, was awesome. like and it was like jesus <laughs> i don't know if yeah. it was awesome but yeah it no, was, yeah, yeah the, no, co I the think cops it was. Came. It was i'm pretty like it was yeah. it was seemed like 
fair retribution there. I guess it, it was. I'm saying it's really crazy when you see how invested. You know, I get it. Like it's everyone's kids and and sports these days. You see all the videos that are viral and people acting right. insane and stuff. And but it isn't good. It really it's isn't not good. good. It no. really isn't good. Parents have to be able to control themselves. Um, and and I don't blame Joe Walterson for jumping over the glass. No, 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 no. I'm not. But I'm saying. But but it's that like was completely warranted. People, it's like constructive having like. Um, there shouldn't be negativity. You shouldn't be. You know what? They're kids. At the end of the day, they're kids just playing a game. But you're playing stuff. a physical game, and like when people and see physical, the emotions get much higher. But uh, but yeah, that game was really wild. Like, yeah, when right. you have to cancel the game halfway through, and the police are there, and it's like a whole thing. It was like that was. That was intense. Not the first time I've seen the police at a hockey game. Oh, no. no the the no. police were called a, a couple times that season. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Chris Canale. Yeah. Chris yeah. Canale, yeah. the best Tom's River coach ever. Yeah, yeah. for real. Just, but, uh, a, just a freaking, he was like a prince, man. He was a great guy. He, he so, so Chris Canale, he was, uh, he actually, he played for Binghamton. You right. know, he he was uh, a goalie. Uh, what did he? Hofstra. He, he played. played he Hofstra played a Hofstra in college, yeah. and he was probably 24 years old. The the Tom's River Blackhawks probably had the worst organization, you know, preceding that for like came. like 20 years. You know, just a just a terrible terrible reputation and he winds up coming he's like 24 years old guy really knows what he's talking about knows hockey an elite player and um takes a bunch of kids under his wing and just and just I mean, turns them into turns, like state's yeah. best right and we were talking about this and stuff like playing like all of the best teams in New Jersey and stuff, playing the Junior Devils and stuff. Right, right. Who are always the best in the and Rockets? Bridgewater and stuff. Rockets. Um, and, yeah, no. And but, and turning them into turning you guys into winners. That all of a sudden these guys are like, and the parents once right. again, parents just getting out of control, calling you, calling us pineys and clam diggers, and it's like, oh, you guys aren't any good. And I remember our goalie. Our, our second string, Fred Gimble was our first goalie and Noonan was our second goalie. And Noonan's father was an attorney. And being outside the rink after we beat the Devils, like going to the playoffs and um, their parents are all driving Mercedes and they got suit jackets on and they're making, they're all like, oh, well, if it wasn't for the one kid, Kevin Kelt on the yeah. team, they would never be able and every time this woman would start like just like squeaking like at us like like saying terrible stuff noonan had the uh he had an air horn and he had it down by his crotch going <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just like that just like made him mad and stuff. it was but it was like that was that was you guys getting better yep. and but it was Chris, so, Chris but, was. But I'm saying it was so funny. Chris would, you know, he, again, he was probably like 24 yeah. at that time. Yeah. And it was like half the time we were like 
you know, looking at her watches, like, where's the coach? He was showing up, like, right. you know, coming no, straight from absolutely. the bar the night before, yeah, right, you know, right, just right, right. hung over. He just... used to play men's league hockey, but right. us, we used to rent the ice after the last practice. And and me, you, and Billy, and we we were smart enough to get the guy that, that ran the ranking. Eddie. Yeah, and clean the the ice, the Zamboni. Eddie player. from Winding like, River. I mean, yeah. Eddie, Eddie is, is do a legend. Do you want to play, yeah. Eddie? Eddie, why don't you please play with us? So we would rent the ice for an hour and play hockey until, once again, keeping the kids out too late until <laughs> one o'clock in the morning yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was. It, there were there were some serious. Uh, it, it was a good time to be alive. It was. Um, but uh, yeah, this is part one of the the throwback of the uh, the trap podcast uh, history lesson. Um, thank you for listening, and we will get back to you soon. You've been listening to the trap.